and welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie movie fan because most of us, we're just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason. And here we delve into those reasons. Can you believe that it's February already? Where is the month gone? What are you all up to for Valentine's Day this week? Do you love it? Hate it? Ignore it completely. I'm somewhere in the middle. I know you'll love this week's episode, though, with horror writer and the founder of the Hollywood Horror Book Club, Travis Williams. He told me how he really got into watching horror movies as a kid with his mom and grandma, which I think is so sweet. We talked about his favorite and least favorite subgenres, what it's like to see your horror radio play performed at Wild Claw Theater's Death Scribe, which is an international festival of horror radio plays, and his most memorable theater experiences seeing horror movies. In case you missed it, we've launched a Patreon. If you want to join the community over there, click the link in the show notes, and for only $3 a month, you'll get access to early episodes, stickers, a monthly newsletter, and more. As always, please take a second to rate and review us wherever you listen, and let's get into my conversation with Travis Williams. Hey, Travis, how are you? I'm good, Allison. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Travis Williams. I've been an avid horror fan and writer for a long time now. I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. I studied theater in Chicago, Illinois, and I was there for about almost 10 years and then moved out here to Los Angeles, where I've been out here for the last seven years, writing stage plays, screenplays, radio plays, you name it. Awesome. So first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? Um, Gosh, I think that my favorite scary movie of all time has got to be The Exorcist just because of the level of execution off of that one. I mean, it's just one. It's the first one in my memory that really just scared the hell out of me as a kid. I remember when my family and I, we went to the video store and my mother picked it up off the rack and she was like, we're watching this tonight. And I was sitting on the floor with my next to my sister. And when we were just watching those scenes unfold, my sister was just like screaming. I was like a nervous wreck. And my mom and my uh, dad at the time just kept you know, saying on the couch, it's fake, it's fake. And I was like, it feels so real. <laughs> so I would probably say The Exorcist, but I think one of my most favorite ones to revisit a lot is The Lost Boys. I'm a sucker for that movie. Nice. I finally watched that last October for the first oh, time. So. What'd you think? I thought it was good. I thought there were parts that I liked. 80s horror movies aren't really my bag. But okay. I thought, I, right. thought, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. How did you first fall in love with the horror genre? I first fell in love with the horror genre actually because of the women in my family. Both my mom and my grandmother were very much big horror fans. And my grandmother, I found out later, was actually in Stephen King's fan club. So she had like a ton of his books. She was a huge reader. She loved Edgar Allan Poe. And we lived kind of far away from my grandparents when I was a kid growing up. So we actually would, my sister and I, would have moments where we would go down and spend like a week with them. And I just remember that when we went one, like on weekends or on weeks when I would go to my grandmother's place, we would basically first stop would be Blockbuster and we would scope the horror movie section. And I just remember her like 
you know, picking out our movies for the week and being like, oh, we're watching Pet Cemetery. Oh, we're watching Body Snatchers. Like we're doing all this. Stuff. I was like, okay, all right. And <laughs> she would just break down movies while we watched it. You know, she would tell me about like, oh, isn't that cool how they use prosthetics to create that head and stuff like that? And so it kind of just in a way demystified the genre for me in general. And then I just became really infatuated with it as just like something that was just really fun. And it wasn't until I would say probably within the last like 10 years or so where I really kind of started uh, battening down the hatchets and studying it as a genre and studying it as a form of storytelling. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that you got into it because of your grandmother. That's so, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> Do you read any horror now? Oh yeah. I'm an avid reader. I think this last year I read over 40 books total, but yeah, I don't just read horror, but I mean, horror is a huge chunk of what I do read. So like, I mean, this past year, one of the ones that really got me was The Devil Takes You Home. That book was so cool. Such a really profound study on grief. And it was really cool how they used, he used the horror genre, but to also like created in a sort of a noir form too. That book is just captivating from page one and on. And then one of my favorite, my favorite recent reads has been Maeve Fly. That book by CJ Lead is just, it is phenomenal. Basically like a Disneyland princess, you know, character in the Disneyland theme parks who is basically like a Patrick Bateman. So it's kind of like a new modern version of American Psycho and it is awesome. Oh, that sounds great. I'll have to check that out. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? Um, people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre. You know, honestly, I, I think about this quite a quite a lot, but I, I think that because it's it's so funny. I all the horror fans that I do meet, they're they're like the sweetest people that I've ever met in my life. Uh, same with like people who just love metal are just like the kindest souls. But then you listen to what they're like listening to, like I like to listen to, and you're just like, are they okay? <laughs> but no, I think I think overall, it's just kind of like a the horror genre in, in general is kind of like a it's a lovely sort of place where you can study what has always kind of been elements of fear and human existence throughout time. And I think that from my perspective, from what I've met with a lot of people, is that a lot of people in the horror genre or infatuated with the genre are very much and very much empathetic people, very sweet, very kind. And I think that the horror genre provides kind of a lot of fun as far as the some of the stories that come out. But I also think that it allows them to kind of dive deep into the human psyche. And yeah, I, I think it just kind of allows them to have a safe place to kind of explore what really makes people tick. That makes a lot of sense. So we know that the exorcist scared you when you were little, but you had parents yeah. who told you that it wasn't real. <laughs> right. What scares you in horror movies today, if anything? Uh, man, I would say like over the top gratuitous violence. The the movie that I recently watched where I was like, I, it was recommended to a fr by a friend of mine. And I was sitting here watching it. And then in the middle of it, I just texted them, what the hell was the terrifier? Mm. That that movie was just like, after I got to a certain point, I was like, I don't know if I could do <laughs> just this, you know, raunchy gore fest. I do. I do like gore. Don't get me wrong. But but I feel like for me, when you sort of kind of make violence a form of art, 
I feel like that that's where it's kind of crossing a line for me. The house that Jack built was another movie where I was just like, I can never watch that movie ever again. I saw it in the theater with my buddy. He's an avid horror person too. And we sat across the street at a bar afterwards. And we just had this conversation by like, what was good about that? Did you like that? Because it just twisted my, my stomach into knots. And yeah, it was just one of those movies that wouldn't let go. So I would say like over the top gratuitous violence for the sake of shock value. That would be my answer to that. Yeah, agree. I have heard that about the house that Jack built before, but I've never like looked into what it's about or seen it. So I don't know. If I'll I'm just say, I'll just say this about the house that Jack built. <laughs> it's one of those movies where I couldn't watch the screen at times. This was a sold out house movie theater. And usually when I go to see like horror movies, I love it when it's sold out because the the communal reaction to things that are happening on the screen is just like the funnest thing. But that movie in particular was just so gratuitously violent and also just to the point where they were kind of like the the theme or the element of that movie was violence can be a form of art. And I just completely disagree with that sentiment. But I would close my eyes at certain moments that were happening in the movie. And when you hear it pass, I would open my eyes again. And then all of a sudden they'd flash the image on the screen that I just <laughs> missed as sort of a middle finger to me. And I was just like, I can never watch this again. I could never do it. <laughs> that The flash is like in the ring at the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right. So we know your least favorite subgenre in a horror, but what's your favorite? Oh, man. Gosh, I would probably say anything with ghost or the spiritual element was really fun for me. I always just find them really fascinating because then you can also just kind of do a deep dive into the character too and how it's related to a character or a family element or something like that. But I'm also really, I just love vampire lore as well. I think that there's just, you know, we've explored it to death. There's so many movies about it. There's so many TV shows about it. But then once in a while, you'll just come across a flick where you're just like, oh, my God, they just opened something completely new up for me about the genre. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. That's a great vampire movie that you never really hear about. But it was just one of those movies where I was just like I was watching it and I just thought that their execution on the vampire lure was just brilliant. So that would be, those would be my two. Nice. I think A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night has been on my watch list for like four years. I keep meaning to watch it, but. It is such a beautiful art house film. It's very slow. It's very patient, but it's so beautifully shot and it's all in black and white. It just feels kind of like a, it's a heightened version of a very simple story, but the execution of it is just so, so spot on. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any favorite horror directors? Yeah, David Bruckner. I love everything that David Rebrechter's doing. My first horror movie back to the theaters after COVID was Night House. Because mm, yeah. uh, I was so excited to see that. I saw The Ritual. I fell in love with The Ritual. And then I saw The Night House. And it was only... At first, I thought it was just me in the movie theater. And then I realized that there was a dude like a few rows down. And then I freaked out a bit because it was just like at the height of this movie. But yeah, just really, really great stuff that he's putting forward. I loved his new version of Hellraiser. I thought that that was just so cool. And I just think that he's just one of those that's executing horror on a sort of like a, a an elevated level, especially with the ritual. That monster was one of the <laughs> coolest monsters I've seen on screen. Yeah, it was a very interesting looking monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not one of my favorites. I don't know, because the second I, I always say this whenever somebody brings this movie up at the second, they're like, hey, let's go off 
off trail. We'll we'll save some time. <laughs> I'm like, you get what you deserve. Exactly. Yeah. No, 100%. You 100%. And I and I and I'm right there with you, but there was also that again, it comes back to that empathy level where I'm like, but these are guys that just they just lost their friend. I'm going to I'm going to go with them on this ride. And yeah, it was heartbreaking and it was but man, was that a good payoff with that monster. And I never saw the monster coming. I always yeah. thought that it was just going to be kind of like just people in the woods, but man, did they, they really, really made it on that one. Maybe I would have been able to empathize more if I was, I don't know, a dude in his twenties. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a five-time finalist and 2016 winner of Wild Claw Theater's Death Scribe, the International yeah. Festival of Horror Radio Plays with uh, your plays, The Wall, Strange Weather, Baby. Back in Baby's Arms, The Quake, and Creatures of Circumstance. Can you tell me a little yeah. bit more about those? Yeah. Uh, well, the festival itself, uh, the theater company was around, I think COVID was kind of the proponent that kind of knocked it out for a little bit. And I hope that they come back because that was a really great theater company that housed just really unique theater, but also just really great people. That that whole company was just uh, packed with great people that just kind of also, again, demystified horror for the community. And they were doing horror plays, which is very hard to come by, you know, just live horror theater. But so Wild Call's Death Scribe was a one night event. The thing was, is that you would submit your script. It was a, usually around a 10 minute radio play or so. And they would read it blind. They would strip all the author's names from it. And I submitted one year, didn't get in. And I was really heartbroken about it because I'd been to the festival and I thought that this is so cool. And so then I kept trying and kept trying. And eventually then I just got on a roll where I started getting in, where I was a finalist. And if you're chosen as a finalist, they only select five and they perform them for one night only. And they're getting submissions from all around the world. So it was a real honor to be kind of like in those, in the mix with all those others, those other writers. So my first, very first one was, gosh, it was The Wall. It was a horror play. It was a cannibal horror play with about a couple that was basically desperate for money. So they basically go out into the woods to steal money from this hillbilly that they know buys a bunch of hardware equipment from the local hardware store with a bunch of cash. And then they wind up finding that all that hardware equipment basically was housing people in his basement in order for him to consume their flesh. Uh, really twisted story. Uh, I kind of wanted to just go for shock value on that one. And apparently I was told this, I didn't witness it, and but I was told that I made a person faint during that show uh, <laughs> with that story, which is really great. And it's very effective because they have professional actors on stage that read the script live. They record the whole thing live. And then they have professional Foley artists on a side table that are creating all the effects. Mm -hmm. So when you get a really good director in there with a really good script, it can be really effective, especially in a live case scenario. But the other one, Strange Weather, was basically like a twisted story about two sisters that uh, their mother was a witch and the gene has been kind of passed down to one of the daughters and you don't know who during the whole mix. And they're basically trapped in their old farmhouse and uh, this strange weather pattern kind of emerges and all hell sort of breaks loose. And then my other one, Back in Baby's Arms, that one was a gem that I really enjoyed writing. I'm a I'm a fan of the movie Natural Born Killers. And so I really wanted to kind of create a murderous couple that you kind of fall in love with, but you want to see them die. And so this one is about Ricky and Carly. 
who is this murderous couple. They just abducted a girl off the side of the highway. They've chained her to a motel room toilet only to find out that she is actually a werewolf. So, and then I think my other one was Creatures of Circumstance. That one, I basically just wanted to make the crowd cry. That was my goal. And so I had this idea about grief and how that can kind of like open up like a hole in your stomach. So I have this lovely couple, Sue and Mary Beth, and they're uh, expecting a new child, but they have this hole in this basement of theirs that has opened up. And all of these monsters are crawling out of it. And as the story progresses, you find that the monsters are directly related to something that happened and, and took place in their past. That was very much a profound sense of grief for them. And we had some really terrific actors on that, a really great director. And I cried every time they did the production. And it was pretty amazing for me on the night of to just kind of like be on the floor watching everybody's reactions in the audience and to actually have a room full of people who are drunk and ready to just hear some gruesome stuff, just start to shed a tear. And I didn't win that night, but I did have a woman who was one of the judges came up to me and she said, that scared the hell out of me. So that was a win. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I was listening to the quake earlier today. So I had never listened to like a horror radio play before. So it was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. The Quake was a fun one to write, too. I mean, who doesn't, you know, it's a couple kids in the woods and then monster centipedes come forth. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) What are your favorite horror plays that you've seen? You know, gosh, I'm trying to think of my friend Scotty. She wrote this really beautiful zombie play. I can't remember the title of it off the top of my head. I saw it in this black box. It was the Mary Archie Theater black box space and Wild Claw was using it as a rental space. And it was a it was this lovely zombie play where each couple, there's two couples and one from each couple has been bit by a zombie and they're both chained to the wall. And then the other members of the couple basically have to decipher where they go from next. <laughs> and that was probably one of the more profound moments in theater that I've ever experienced because I was just like, oh my God, you can do this. You can do this on stage. Oh my God. And it just kind of opened up a well for me. So I wish I knew the name of the play itself, but yeah, Scotty Barsati is the writer and she's wonderful. Oh, I'll have to go look that up. Yeah. I love that. I love, I love scary theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you've also been published in the horror anthology Tales from the Acker Mansion with yeah. American Gothic Press and Famous Monsters Magazine. What's your story called and what is it about? That one is called Unraveled. I actually approached the artist, John Lamantia. He's this amazing artist out of Chicago. Big shout out to him. He is, uh, that guy's art is just unbelievable. If you can go to his Instagram page, I mean, his stuff is just, it's so beautiful. And it's so, so incredibly richly detailed. Everything is just like, there's just these little moments or these little fine-tuned details throughout all of his work and every portrait that he comes up with is just unreal. But I basically approached him and I was just like, what do you want to draw? What do you like to draw? And he said pretty much anything with like tentacles. And I was like, okay, tentacles. I was like, well, what about yarn? And he was just like, yeah, cool, yarn. That sounds great. And then so I came up with this story of just kind of like an 80s movie where it's kids on bikes (laughs) and they go up to... They're kind of dared to go up into this haunted house where they've heard that there's this woman who is a witch and she she sews. 
Well, you find out as the kids go into the house that she sews sort of like this. She has this yarn that's sort of animated. It's alive. And then she puts masks on kids and then basically it'll consume them and they become her puppets. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so we, we came up with the script and the concept and he drew these beautiful illustrations and we wound up submitting it and we got published and it was great. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, amazing. it's like, it's like a nice, like 12 page comic book, but it was really fun. Oh, that's so cool. Do you yeah. have any plans to publish any new stories this year? Yeah. Well, right now I'm working on my own horror play, a full length horror play. I would love to get that up on its feet this year. And I've got another play in the works right now. We have a really great team that we're developing. It's a noir play that I wrote a while back, but it has horror elements to it in, as far as like forms of manipulation and stuff. But that's kind of like a classic heist play. And otherwise, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to just continue, you know, publishing comic books and uh, I would love to just work on a little twisted horror novel or novella. So stuff like that. Yeah. Awesome. Are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? I know you mentioned The House That Jack Built before, but are there any others? Uh, yeah, The Terrifier for sure. And oh man, will I, other movies, you know, I don't really think so. One, actually, you know, I, I kind of went against myself. One that I almost walked out of the theater on was The Devil's Rejects. Mm -hmm. When I saw that movie in theaters, I was just like, what is the point? What is the point here? I was like, you know, it, it was really when they were all sitting in the car talking to each other and they were eating ice cream. That was the moment where I was just like, what the hell am I watching? And I almost walked out and I thought to myself, I would probably be a better person if I left the movie theater right now and didn't revisit this movie again. But I decided recently, I was just like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch it. I'm going to try it again. And I did try it again. And I was glad that I did because... I've had some time away from it. And I think what that movie did really well that I wasn't expecting was that they, they, it's, it's still a very terrible movie <laughs> as far as like the, the premise and the characters, they're all horrible people and you're not rooting for anybody. But one thing that he did very, very well was that he created a villain that was a little bit more terrifying and a little bit more unhinged than your serial killers. And you kind of wanted them to see that, uh, eliminate that element so that was kind of like oh okay now I get the sort of aesthetic of this movie and like why it's kind of a crowd pleaser and a cult classic but um but beyond that I would probably say Terrifier and the House of Jack Build are probably my two big ones that I wouldn't revisit I've never seen The Devil's Rejects I hear people talk about it a lot I think I've only <laughs> seen like two Rob Zombie movies in my time so. oh yeah yeah, well, I mean, I, I will say Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses, amazing, amazing. And I will say that I think that I think that his best work and I think it's his most underrated work has been Lords of Salem. That movie is very haunting. And, but I think that what he was able to pull off, you know, with his aesthetics, with the with the cinematography on that movie, the overall vibe that he created in that film, that one is really haunting. And I'm just a, I, I'm a sucker for witches too. So that's another <laughs> genre that I really love. Yeah, I need to still check that one out too. Maybe I need to do like a month of Rob Zombie. Good, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> a couple. I remember I was at the music box and I was seeing Goodnight Mommy and 
at the beginning of that movie, it's kind of like a, the, the sound of music where it opens up with this mother who's singing to her children and it's all <laughs> hunky dory. And you're like, oh, my God, we're in for the worst movie right now. <laughs> and when the lights went black, everything in the movie theater was quiet. And then one dude dropped his entire box of M&Ms that rolled all the way down the theater. And the entire movie theater just burst into laughter. And then we all just applauded and we were like, all right, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then the other, the other moment that I had that I was just like, I'm going to hold that in my heart forever was I saw, it was the opening weekend of Hereditary. I went with a buddy and we sat, we were near kind of like probably say like maybe just five rows back. It wasn't even that. We were pretty close to the screen. Packed house, completely packed house. We got like the last two seats. And the moment, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it, but there's a moment where there's a shot on a bedroom and then more light starts to kind of like sneak in. And then there's something up in the corner, right? (laughs) And then there was a moment where it starts to come into focus and all of our eyes are, you know, looking at it. And then just one guy just goes, and and he wasn't even trying to be funny. And I, and I, and I believe that with all of my heart, but he just screams at the top of his lungs. I'm sorry, but fuck no. (laughs) And then everybody lost it. Everybody (sighs) lost it. And I was just like, that's, that's why you go to see horrors. It's, it's that shared experience of like, Someone who's so terrified that they have to let it out. And then you can't help but laugh afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that moment was pretty incredible to see in theaters. So Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> what was your favorite horror movie of 2023? Because we we're recording this in January right now. Man, I would say of 2023, you know, I, I saw it really late. And I, I know that some people don't think it was necessarily a horror movie, but man, Bo was afraid was amazing. It has elements of horror in it throughout. And I do think it's just nothing but a, you know, it's an adrenaline fueled anxiety trip. I mean, it just felt like it was some sort of like weird trippy dream. And that movie, I just couldn't, I, I never picked up my phone. I, I was never distracted. I was just like completely enamored the whole time. So I would probably say Bo is Afraid. And then this is another one where it wasn't necessarily a horror movie, but God, did it have some amazing horror elements to it, though, was Saltburn. That movie, yeah. that movie twisted my stomach. And, <laughs> and it's funny because I went in cold. I didn't really know anything about the movie, but... I kept hearing people say, oh, that scene, that scene. <laughs> and I was watching that movie. And then it's just like there was a moment that happened. And I was like, oh, my God, that had to have been the scene. And then another moment happened. I was like, oh, my God, no, that had to have been the scene. And it just kept happening the whole movie. And I was just like, what scene is everybody <laughs> referring to? This movie is crazy, but also just so dark, so beautifully constructed. And, and Barry Keoghan is just like a powerhouse actor in that movie. That whole ensemble just blew me away, but very riveting film. So I'd probably say those two. But as far as like true, true horror, When Evil Lurks was probably one of my favorites of that year, last year. I just thought that the, the viciousness of the violence in that movie was insane. I thought the sort of different take on demonic possession was really unique. It kind of had a sort of like a folklore aspect to it that I wasn't expecting. 
And so it just felt kind of like a lived in story with that regard, something that's been passed down for like hundreds of years. And we're just now experiencing it for the first time, which was really cool. Awesome. On the flip side, what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in 2024? Oh, man, I would probably say, I mean, it's coming up in January, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Night Swim. I, I, I'm really curious about that one. I just think that's such a really, it's such a, it's such a simple and clever premise and it's just right there. And it's like, <laughs> why wouldn't you make a movie about that? But there's a lot of like movies that are still backdated for me that I still need to really see. Gosh, I'm trying to think. I still haven't seen Sick, that movie. About the I COVID, really liked COVID it. Slasher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard really great things about it, but that's on my list. I yeah. want to see Marrowbone. I've heard great things about that. And I'm on a huge... I'm on a huge kick with, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name from Pearl and X. Oh, Mia um, Yes, man, she's so good. I saw I saw Infinity Pool and that movie was just, that was actually one of my favorites this past year that I watched. And I was just like, she's just so good. And, I, and, and man, does she deserve an Oscar for her performances in horror. She's unreal. Oh, I know. But I would see, oh, well, that would be the other one, Maxine. I'm really looking forward to seeing Maxine. That's... That is definitely, Ty West is is also another one of my favorite directors. And I still think that one of his best movies and one of my favorite horror movies of his ever made was, in addition to X and Pearl, was The House of the Devil mm-hmm. with Greta Gerwig in it. My God, what a cool movie. <laughs> and, and it's just so tension building and yeah, just a really, really great horror flick. So Awesome. Great picks. Yeah. Are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? That's a hard one. I make suggestions and sometimes people watch them and sometimes they don't. And, and I always worry what they're going to think when they see it. I don't know if I've ever had one sort of sent back to me where people were like, dude, what the hell was that? But I would say one that's kind of gone under the radar that I really loved. And I didn't hear a lot of people, it didn't have a lot of fanfare when it came out, was the new Suspiria. And I just thought that film was so stunning. And not not only that, I love the original, but man, that new one was just so good. And so I would probably say that that would be one on the radar where it's like, maybe I suggest and, but it is a, it is more of an ask on people when I make the suggestion for that one, just because it is a slower paced horror film. It does get really, really bizarre by the end. And it's a big ask on people, but I would also actually, you know what, Neon Demon. Ooh, Neon Demon. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man. I saw that movie in theaters in Vegas. I was alone. I was the only one in the movie theater and it blew me away. I've seen that movie like three times now, read the original script, and I'm just infatuated with that one. Really great film. It's kind of just a overall, just like a sort of a cautionary tale about the modeling and entertainment industry in Hollywood in general, but it's just really effective and has one of the coolest cameos with, and also most, one of the most terrifying cameos with Keanu Reeves, which is really cool. But that movie is really cool. And then the soundtrack for that is really great, but that would be another one where I would suggest it and people would be like, what the hell am I watching here? (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to look into it. If you could, if you could remake or reboot one horror movie, which one would it be? Remake or reboot one horror movie. I would probably, I mean, and they're about to do it, but if they weren't doing it, it would be the people under the stairs 
Um, that was one of my all-time favorites growing up as a kid. It just horrified me. It was one of those movies that was always on HBO at night when I was a kid, and I just couldn't help but not look away. <laughs> <laughs> and so if I were to revisit any type of horror film, that one would definitely be at the top of the list because I just thought that movie was it was just horrifying. The fact that you have like this suburb house, suburban house and like this family inside that's just like they've got people in the basement and it's <laughs> there's just so much going on in that flick. I can't wait for the remake, but that would be one that if they weren't doing it, I would want to revisit. If you could if you could see one horror movie on a big screen with an audience, which one would it be? Like in history? Yeah. Go, even going back. I was talking about this the other night with a friend of mine and I I was torn between both Psycho and The Exorcist. I would, I would love to see Psycho just because I would love to see how an audience reacts to and how I would react to the fact that you're, you think you're watching one movie and then it just quickly dissolves and becomes this other beast. And it's, it's a, that's a, that's a terrifying flick too. Like I just revisited it not too long ago and I was just like, man, this is actually just like a really, this is a really good, scary story. But uh, so American Psycho and definitely The Exorcist, because I remember hearing that William Friedkin, after making the movie, he demanded and, and wrote it into his contracts that all movie theaters had to have their volume up to like a 10. And so to experience that level of fear in a loud theater where it's just so uncomfortable, you know, volume wise, and the fact that he would go around to movie theaters and making sure that they had their <laughs> volumes up to 10 when they showed his film. Yeah, I think that would probably be it. It would be The Exorcist or it'd be Psycho. Those would be my two. Nice. Yeah, I was recently talking to somebody and they said that you have to go watch The Exorcist in a theater to get the full experience and really appreciate it. So yeah. Why. Yeah. Yeah. My, my uncle took me to see the director's cut when it came out in the movie theaters and we were the only two in the theater itself, but the volume was up so loud that even in the soft moments, there was a moment when the telephone rings, it's when the demon flashes on the, the oven for a second. And then the phone rings, I jumped out of my seat and there was nothing happening. It was just the tension and the volume of that, of that noise just created that jump scare in me just from a telephone ringing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here and chatting with me. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you online? Yeah, sure. If you're interested, I mean, my website is TravisWilliams.info. And then I'm on Instagram at TravisDMW. Uh, so I have a uh, horror book club that you can join if you're interested. And it's called Hollywood Horror Book Club. And if you're in the Los Angeles area and want to join us, our next book that we're currently reading right now is The Exorcist. So you're welcome to join. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There? I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Travis Williams, and thanks again to Travis for coming on. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Who's There PC. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at Who's There PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and never ask Who's There?